400 years ago, in a fishing village just barely out of reach of the jungle, a creature came in a woman's guise to demand tribute with sweet words and a resonant voice. The villagers, unable to keep up with her demands, presented her with a jeweled knife. Even when the knife had been buried in her chest, its shining surface veiled by shredded silk, it glittered in the moonlight, and the villagers thought this was the end. Welcome to Sword of Symphonies. According to my notes, I am Godzilla. Cool. Neat. And we're being bad. I think that's just just the natural progression of us being on the podcast. It's like, it's like barely 60 seconds into the recording and we're already the worst. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that you guys are trying to make a speed record. Yes. I appreciate that a lot. We have Nick. Hi. We have Kirsten. Hi. And we have Kathleen. I hear that uh, Kat is here because something about nuclear radiation. But no one's going to listen to me at this point in the film. No. No, it's not till later, if at all, will we understand that I'm a metaphor for nuclear war. Metaphor for the atomic bomb. You're a metaphor for the atomic bomb. No, that's Braid. You're Braid. Joining us tonight on the podcast, Jonathan Blow. I was going to try and do an impression, but I actually don't know what he sounds like. <laughs> that wouldn't have gone great. Where do you even start? Again, like probably actually listening to him, but I have never really done that. Like I've read things he's written. But anyways, last time we left off, we were in a weird other dimension. We were in a weird other direction where things may or may not have been metaphors for things. And... There were maybe unhealthy relationships there. Eh, probably not. It, well, I mean, like, un, it, maybe, because there were, in fact, a lot of kids making sort of, like, kid decisions about what to do in their strange other worlds. And some weird kids who maybe for once in, like, the history of humanity were excluded for good reasons. For the first time ever. Mm-hmm. So my first question is, why does your butt still haunt this place? Well, I guess to be fair, we actually haven't tried to leave yet. We have not tried to leave. We did find that the chalk trail led to like a wall or something. But um, Tissa was ready to start plumbing the depths and going, f well, they're not really deep. Tissa was, was going to start walking forward toward the place where the kids said not to go because adults are all about making good decisions. Best decisions. Never listen to kids. Kids don't know from fun. <laughs> this is responsible. So the kids are sticking close to Cobb because Tissa is doing the thing that they said not to do. And I mean, they're not really listening to Cobb or respecting his authority. They are not. But they are sticking close to him. And before your eyes, Tissa has begun to walk. Where, you're, where are you headed? <sighs> we have to go deeper because we only have who knows how much time. And, you know, I don't think normally I would mind being out of existence for months or years at a time. Big guy, you do have a boat that you probably want to get back to. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, among other things, like, I like the time period that I live in. I like existing. That was pretty good role playing. Can you, <laughs> can you say that line again for us? No. <laughs> Nick role playing is somebody who enjoys the time he lives in. Just like... <laughs> Get this man an Oscar. Why you do this? I mean, I couldn't say that line. Listeners, they're bullying me really hard right now. <laughs> I just want you to know that. In the immortal words of Kathleen, oh no. So I think that there are a few things to check out. There are 
the other kids over there that they don't play with because it involves going all the way over there. There was a weird kid who um, scattered me for one and I decided not to fight it. Mm -hmm. And presumably somewhere there is a noble demon. And I think I would rather meet more small demons and or potentially people first, but I suppose that's not necessarily up to me. Mm. Oh, also, did we see any of the kids that were at the most current, like, this, when we were listening to the story, do we see any of, notice any of those kids? Because um, I know the kids we talked to, they weren't there at that time, so. None of the kids you've seen are from today. Okay. Okay, well, at least it seems like they've, they, that caused warning, um, made it through to them. We can help. Mm. It is a huge place. We don't know how big it is or how many people are here. Tissa, do you think I should maybe try and round the kids up? I can I can give it a shot. They probably would enjoy, I don't know, stories or songs or something like that. I, I can try and round up as many of them as I can. They won't listen to me give commands, but maybe they'll listen to me tell them a story or sing them a song. Uh, maybe not the worst idea... But maybe also a sword arm would be okay. The kids are looking at you like blankly, like, you're the worst ghost ever. Yeah, ever. Can you pull your head off? Uh, Ghosts can definitely do that. Only once. Have you, are, are there ghosts that live here? All the kids just look at you <laughs> and point at Cobb. Can't argue with that. So, how's Pollyanna sort of reacting to this whole thing? We didn't really talk about her much once we crossed to this dimension. I mean, you have seen her more uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Like, she has enough headroom that she seems to be doing okay. Okay. She's not thrilled about this place, like, but she's not ducking her head or looking around. She's sticking pretty close to Penelope, but that's pretty normal for her. Mm -hmm. I think once she gets the feeling that something weird is happening, she usually starts sticking close to Penelope. Partially for Penelope's sake as well. Penelope likes to pretend she's fussing over Pollyanna, but it's kind of a self-calming thing too as well, you know? Yeah. I think Pollyanna recognizes that Penelope is pretty hopeless without her, mm. so... <laughs> She's she's the adult, right? <laughs> so she's definitely the adult. Mm. Okay. So we have some stuff that happens. Mhm. Are you guys following or looking at the chalk trail? I think we are standing at the chalk trail. We may not be paying attention to it at the moment though, cuz it sounds like we are contemplating our next move. So while you are contemplating, you hear a low note. Like the note of the flute that opened this place to the outside world. Mm. And the horde around you seems to shimmer, as if in a heat haze. As if the jungle wind has come down and thickened the air with humidity. And in hospitable temperatures, when the haze clears... It lasts just a moment, but when it clears, you notice that the chalk is now buried... The piles of fake coins that glitter all around the place have shifted. Oh, wonderful. I think the, the, I think the door just opened again. Did someone else come in here? Well, something just happened. You guys could make me sensitivity rolls if you want. Yeah. Maybe. Okay, Penelope, you are all about sensitivity, right? Right. I'm actually going to do sensitivity tracking to see if I can find any any evidence of the chalk trail or maybe an, uh, a new trail that someone might have brought in. Okay, yeah. I got no successes. I have no clue. <laughs> Cobb is going to try sensitivity focus. He's going to see if maybe by paying attention for once, he can determine what's going on. Great. I got one success and one edge success. 
And then Tissa is gonna roll sensitivity navigation to see if there is any sense of how things work with two successes and one edge. With two successes on sensitivity navigation, you get the distinct impression that this place is not as large as it pretends to be. Cobb, you hear a sound from atop one of the coin dunes. Cobb casts a furtive glance in the direction of the coin dunes. And there is a figure sitting on top. The figure of the storyteller. She is wrapped almost entirely in shades of violet and gold. She has in her hand a flute. A long instrument about the size of her forearm. Is Cobb gonna let us know? Cobb is going to sort of like motion I guess whoever he's you know like hey and then just sort of point over over at the storyteller um let's roll understanding spirits one success do I get any new information here's what I'm going to tell you about understanding spirits Mm -hmm. the storyteller that you saw was dressed in many colors Oh, and this one's just purple and gold. How regal. Uh, this is good news. This one's different. Hmm? Different? It's not the same, it's not the same one. Is it? Or it's a really different time, one of the two things. The kids suddenly fall silent and hide behind Cobb. There are whispers, the, the lady, the lady's here. Don't listen to the lady. Well, Tissa, go introduce us. Mm, I don't know if that's a good idea. Don't talk to the lady, you idiot ghost. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. I'm dead. What What can she hurt me? So three successes, sensitivity, focus. What kind of vibes am I getting? The vibe you're getting is that this is a place that she has a very comfortable degree of control over. Actually, with that sensitivity roll, you can definitely feel that the center of power here is elsewhere. But this is several orders of magnitude more powerful than the weird kid. And is this, I guess, is this the same person that we saw outside? Like the same demon? The face is identical. Okay. So she either has chosen to look a little different now that she's in her place of power, or... Yeah. I might just be entirely barking up the wrong tree, though. I should probably... Like, Kathleen should probably still remember that we are potentially dealing with a noble demon here. We should challenge her to a story off. (laughs) We gotta get the kids away from her somehow. Yeah. So, I guess Tissa is going to like grip at her spear a little bit the same way that she does when she's nervous and lock slowly in the direction of the uh, demon. Okay. So here's a thing that's about to happen. The heat haze begins to rise again around her and she holds the instrument at her side but you can still feel that note trembling on the air. And everything around you is hot and uncomfortable and dangerous. And you can feel coming from her a cool wind that is, I don't want to say irresistible, but I am going to say roll adaptability focus. For everyone? No, just Tissa. Two successes, two edge successes. Okay. You will need the edge success to succeed. Okay. And what are they going to cost me? They're going to cost you the ability to get any sort of grip on these negotiations. Okay. I mean, that's probably better than just being straight up in a thrall, huh? Yep. So, um, you felt the demon trying to pull you, specifically to pull you away from yourself, from the others around you. But you succeed in gripping your spear and 
focusing, keeping yourself together. And she watches. She does not acknowledge that she's done this and waits for your approach. Tiss is not about to speed up at all. She's going to pretend that she has some measure of control in the situation and continue and just walk up, maybe arrives at the base of the dune that she's on. She descends from the dune. It is steep, but she walks along it as she would on flat ground. Or glides. It is difficult to tell in the nest of rich silk and jewelry. It is difficult to see if she even has legs, let alone how they move or what they look like. When she reaches the ground and the children clutch at each other, one of them has found, to his surprise, but not displeasure, that Cobb is not a ghost <laughs> and is clinging to his arm. Aww. They still don't know I'm not a ghost. It could be a ghost trick. <laughs> Cobb, don't say that. <laughs> I'm going to turn you into a ghost Nick. Nope, I don't, I don't know this meme well enough to roll with it. So I'm just threatening to murder him. Well, yes, I, I know. Like, ghost dad. But Nick. Oh. No, I was going to make a ghost trick joke, but then most of the jokes I could make about that game would heavily spoil it, so I'm not going to. It has a really good dog in it. This is true. Missile is not a spoiler. He is great. So, here is Tissa standing face-to-face with a noble demon. Or at least some sort of really big demon. I don't think there's a medium demon in this setting. I suppose not, huh? Oh, um, three successes on an understanding, yeah, an understanding focus role. I'm still trying to figure out, like, just information about this demon. Okay. How many successes was that, sorry? That was three. Three successes will tell you two things. First of all, that her eyes are the same violet color as the rest of her clothing. And second... There is a blankness to her disposition. And there has been as long as she has been on that dune. It looks like imperiousness for a moment, but it hasn't changed. Her face is still blank. Has she acknowledged my... Well, she acknowledged my presence by coming down here. Has she done anything else? She has not. And you said that the center of power in this place was elsewhere. Yes, you can tell that. Still definitely way bigger than the little demon. Yes. Tissa is going to take the advice of the children and not say anything first. Maybe not make eye contact, but not back down. She waits a moment, but eventually she seems to make a decision, and then... Welcome to our encampment. Not everyone has a space like this. Hmm. I am called Atwila, the left hand of the Countess. You are not here for treasure. No. Why? If we're here, I'm here. Why would I come for treasure anyway? She doesn't really react to that. She just kind of blinks and waits. And now a wandering magus and a noble demon have an awkward off. <laughs> yep, they absolutely do. Where the noble demon is demanding a thing and the wandering magus is not interested in the correct thing. So these two bescarfed mystery creatures <laughs> stare at each other. In silence. Cobb is just kind of looking around. Like he looks over at Penelope, who I guess is probably just like shrugging. He's looking at the kids who are probably still kind of scared. And it's just like. The kids are starting to peek out from behind Cobb. Almost impatiently. I, If you're going to do something, Tissa. Cobb mostly just makes like faces and gestures <laughs> that don't. That Tissa is most likely not paying attention to. Is definitely not paying attention to 
is sort of just like hanging on for dear life on her spear and trying to like just scrutinize the heck out of this impossible being and not getting as far as she wants to. Mm-hmm. You hear a sound from around the dune and it sounds like a single sustained footstep. Like the sound of one footfall drown out over the course of seconds and out from around the dune emerges a second being that looks exactly like Atuila in front of you but is wrapped in teal. And so this isn't the one we saw either. It is not, no. But she ignores you and walks around toward Atuila and leans up close to her and whispers something in her ear. Shielded by a gloved hand shining with teal and gold. What kind of sensitivity role is that to try to pick up on something? Sensitivity humanity? One success. I don't think one success is going to tell you anything. Worth a try. So, the two daemons, and that is what they are, begin to melt into one another until after the heat haze passes and the feeling of jungle air around you dies, you see one being dressed in shades of violet and teal and gold. And she looks at you and some of the blankness is gone from her expression. I understand now, she says. And I would like Cobb and Penelope to roll me Adaptability Athletics. Um, <laughs> two successes, one edge success. I got two edge successes and one success. You can keep your edge successes. However, if you choose not to bring your edge successes, you'll be able to bring the kids along with you. I'm not choosing the edge success. Oh, so if I, if I keep the edge success, then the kids can't come with me. Yes, exactly. Uh, and I'm going to be dealing damage for every point of shortfall. I am I'm going to not use the edge successes, but allow the kids to come with me. Same. Okay. So we've got one child latched onto Cobb. We have got one latched onto Penelope. And we've got probably one of them clinging to Pollyanna. And so my next question is... What is everybody's totals again? No edge successes. Two. One. Okay. So that heat haze fills the air again. The same one that caused the shifting. And this time you can smell foliage sweating in the noonday sun. And you feel a shift in the world around you. And as that feeling swells in you, one of the dunes collapses. It just completely loses its structure and becomes a small avalanche of stone, of shining, coin-shaped, silvery, glittering stones ring down on Cobb, Penelope, and the kids for four damage to Penelope and three damage to Cobb. Oof. Uh, what would it cost, scatter-wise, to use becalmed sands? to deflect some of the blow. I'll let you spend one scatter per point of damage you want to prevent. Uh, yeah, let's prevent one damage to each of them. Okay. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. So Cobb takes two and Penelope takes three. And the now two-colored Damon Atwila says, I see. That was what we wanted to know. The left hand and the right hand? She stops, and she is silent for a moment, staring blankly at nothing and says, No. No, there is no right hand. Thank you. And she turns and walks into nothing, disappears around the edge of a dune and is gone. Do do you guys know what she was trying to figure out? What? N- no, but do you, do you think they were both left-handed? Um, is the storyteller the right hand? No. No, I think that the storyteller is the whole one. Hmm. And I think that 
there isn't a right hand, just like they said. And that means that really, this has gone a whole lot better than it did with the prince. I mean, it would have to. (laughs) True. It also means they can't play the accordion. You do need two hands for the accordion. You need both hands for most instruments. For most instruments. So the kids kind of tug at you guys. And the one that's attached to Penelope. Can can we leave? Can we go? Mm, It it might be safer. Yeah, forget the kids somewhere. Well, that's what we're... That's what we're trying to do. So, we, we, this is good. We know things now. Mm? We know that they're not all together yet. They might be soon. We know that they can be hurt. And this place isn't as big as I thought it was. And that's maybe good, too. I think we also know how to get out. Does we just have to... Mm, well, I mean, like, how how is easy, but then getting there to the how part is harder. Sorry, did that make any sense? Mm. The kids all shake their head, like, in unison. How? Not really. How, how, how many are there? Oh, that I've got no idea. If this place isn't that big, and you know how to get out, again, I'm sure Penelope and I can round up the kids, and if you could open the door, we can get everybody out. Uh, I I can't open the door because we need the—did you see the instrument? Mm -hmm. The—whatever it was? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The long flute, I guess. Also, I don't think that we're supposed to get out yet. Hmm. Definitely the biggest of the kids, the one that was attached to Cobb, looks at you like you are a big old dumbo. <laughs> Wait, what? What do you mean we're not supposed to? What? We're not supposed to be in here. We gotta go. You're the worst ghost. Yeah, yeah, um, we are. What? Why do you think we're ghosts? I forget. Don't worry about it. We gotta go. Like the little one that's attached to Pollyanna, like starts to sniffle. It's okay. Let's make sure we've got everybody rounded up. Mm, well, you guys, well, you guys leave um, or move that way. Um, where did you say that the other ones were? The ones that you can't get to on the other side. I mean, over there. All three of the po- children point in different directions. It's hard to know what directions are when the lady does that thing. That's that's totally reasonable. Mm. Which way is it? Kathleen asks to the GM. Um, is it is it toward like where the center of the power was, or the center of power is kind of in the center of the space, mm-hmm. and all the kids are pointing kind of away from it. Like, imagine a donut. Imagine a donut. Mm-hmm. Imagine a donut. Please, cat, big nerds call them toroids. <laughs> uh. <sighs> yeah, I was like, am I going to, are, are we in Calc 3 again? God, I hope not. Bye. 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 Look, I'm a big nerd, but I'm not that big a nerd. Bye. I was very bad at Calc 3, dear listeners. Very bad. High fives over the internet. Bye. <laughs> Math is dumb. Numbers are stupid. Um. So. Uh, um. Why don't we all go together to find the kids on the other side? Because... I don't want to go to where the whole demon is yet, because that sounds, that sounds not great. So how about an understanding navigation roll? Go for it. Three successes. 
three successes will give you a pretty good idea of the direction that you can go to kind of um, turn around this place and keep your eye open for other occupants. All right. While she's figuring out the direction, I hoist the young uh, one that was holding uh, Pollyanna up onto Pollyanna's back. So she feels more comfy. Whee! She does kind of immediately lean forward onto Polly's neck and hold on tight. It's a good place to be. Polly's a good horse. She'll keep you safe. Okay, I have an important question for you. Does Penelope know (laughs) that Pollyanna is not a horse? (laughs) No. (sighs) Because you describe her as a pony a lot in character, and... (laughs) She does. I. She knows she's a cloud elk. I guess it's just, I don't know, a, well, how when she talks about the ship and uses her own kind of... I can see it being a term of, like, endearment. Okay. Borderline term of endearment. Borderline Penelope word crime. Yes. And just maybe being, like, a rancher and, like, oh, or it's like, I mean, yeah. Okay. Hmm. All right. Anyway, the kid looks at you like you're a fucking <laughs> moron. <laughs> Harsh. Harsh. Well, well, at any rate. Anyways. We are going toward the journey away from the center of the donut. Journey away from the center of the donut. Okay. And you hear some scrabbling sounds, some digging sounds, some clattering around. And you see a small cluster of children. Digging in the stones. One of them actually does look like one of the children you saw today. The rest don't. I think you should probably stop looking for treasure, if that's what you're doing. The kids kind of look up, and they're extremely surprised to see you guys. Oh, hey, you guys are from the other side. And the kids are like, whoa, you're from the other side. Whoa, what you doing? And they are, in fact, looking for treasure. But there is treasure. Oh, these are real. Is there now? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, the lady showed us some. Yeah, all your treasure's fake. The the kids on your side are like, oh, don't listen to the lady. It's a different lady. Probably it's a different lady. And Cobb kind of like, like hunches down. No, listen to me. I know treasure. But listen to him. He's a ghost. Yeah, but I'm a ghost pirate. I think I know what treasure is. That actually does get the kids to listen, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The kids are very excited to meet their first ghost pirate. (laughs) Even the kids who were dunking on you are just like they're they're paying attention. Yeah, now they're 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 in, yeah. All right. All right, look. I'll tell you a story about my time as a pirate if you'll stop digging around in the rocks. We promised the lady we'd help her find it. Well, I don't, I don't think you're going to find anything. So what did she ask you to find? She was looking for a real, real old knife. I was just looking for anything that wasn't rocks. Mm. Did you find anything that wasn't rocks? Yep. What'd you find? I found a big old piece of shiny metal and it was all beat up. And it looked like gold, but I don't think it looked like treasure. Do you still have it? Nah, I gave it to the lady. Okay. She needs it. Fair enough. Hey, I, I turned to the kids that were with us from the other um, other area. And did did she ask you the same thing? No. Huh. It's a different lady. It's a different lady. This is a different lady. This is a different lady. This is a different lady? From the lady with the tricks, the lady with the flute? No, different mm. lady. Mm. Well, that would make sense. We did see another one. Mm. I guess it's possible there's more of them. I don't know how this works. I'm so confused by this place. The kid has the, that has been giving Cobb the most trouble is like, look, no, there, there's, there's lots of the lady. There's so many of the lady. They're all the lady. And the other kids are like, yeah, yeah, we know, but this is a different lady. She's not any of the lady. Mm-mm. Mm. Does that make sense to you, Tissa? You know, that's good news. We're not, yeah. 
It's gotta be good news. And there's more of a scrabbling sound. Sensitivity, um, humans. No successes, never mind. Tissa's too busy thinking about whether or not this is good news. Um, I am also going to roll a a sensitivity for the humans. Cobb isn't because he is most likely arguing with children. Uh, one success. Okay, great. I would like everyone to roll initiative. Mm. Oh, no. Oh, wow, that's a good roll. Okay, good, cool. I mean, roll initiative. <laughs> I did pretty good. I got 15. Okay. I also got 15. Uh, 12. So the first thing that happens, and Cobb, you notice somebody descending from the top of one of the dunes as soon as they do it, but no sooner. And before anyone can say anything, there is a long, flat brush knife just pointed directly at Tissa. The person holding this knife is not one of the daemons, or at least doesn't appear to be. She is of medium height, got a wiry build. She has white blonde hair that's cut very close to her head, and her skin is so freckled, she looks almost like a snake or a fish, darker on top than on the bottom. She's wearing rugged, I mean, survival gear, jungle survival gear. And she is holding a knife at Tessa. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, Co- Cobb is, is like sword in hand in the blink of an eye. Penelope kind of like holds up her hands, weaponless. And says, oh, we, we didn't mean to startle anybody. We, we're sorry. We're just, we're just trying to find a safe way out of here. She is. Well, she glances at you briefly, but doesn't respond to what she said and returns her gaze to Tissa, who she is watching intently. You're a ranger, and I'm not the daemon, actually. Is that right? Well, I mean, I know I'm not the daemon. I would hope not. I would have told you if I were the daemon, I think, at this point. And she nods and kind of takes a step backward and sheaths what you can recognize as a machete. And the kids who were rooting around... Point to her, they're like, hey, this is the lady, see? Different lady, different lady, this lady. Okay. And she kind of crouches down and the kids run up close to her and they show her handfuls of differently shaped rocks and she shakes her head. So you're a human. And Cobb, Cobb is like putting putting his sword away. She and all the kids look at you like, duh. Look, I don't know, I'm a ghost. Is Cobb is kind of like... Cobb is now backsassing children because this is how far out of his control the situation has gotten. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a ghost pirate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He told us he was a ghost pirate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cobb is just throwing a big old fit. He's legit. He's a ghost pirate. It's cool. (laughs) It is pretty rad. Uh, That makes... um, Just sort of quickly counting. Uh... That makes four rangers and eight kids. Yeah? Is there anyone I'm missing? The kids all look around at each other and... It's probably everybody. Yeah. It's a really factually. Um, I suppose pressing concerns, but um, we didn't introduce ourselves. That seems kind of silly to do it like that, but I guess that's what we're supposed to do. Um, like, Tissa's mad at herself that she said it was time to do introductions. <laughs> she sort of, like, if there's a stone next to her, sort of, like, takes it. <laughs> Here's the thing. I've played this character before. This is an NPC I'm familiar with. And this is the only time she's been out-awkwarded. <laughs> <laughs> she just kind of blinks at you. She says... Lily, and nothing else. Nice to meet you, Lily. My name is uh, Cobb, we'll go with. I'm Penelope Hunter. And at that, she blinks at you for a second, but doesn't say anything. Did 
Penelope talk about the charming young boy he met at all? I, I was wondering if I would like, if he, he, he mentioned his sister. Did he mention her name? No. I think he did refer to his sister by his nickname for her. I think you heard him say Lil. Mm. Yeah, because I was waiting to see if she'd say her last name, but yeah. Okay. Because we are all, we are all meta-knowledging right now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, how, how long have you been here? Mm. Shakes her head. Gives kind of a little shrug. Yeah, that's fair. Kama's just going to sort of ask her, what year is it? And she does give you an answer. But she seems extremely irritated by that. I don't know what year it is. Well, I would imagine if she gives us our year. Yeah, she does give you your year, yes. Okay, all right. With deep irritation. How do the kids react when they hear the year? Yeah, um, one of the kids nods, the one that you recognize, and the rest of them kind of start to panic because they have noticed that they weren't from the same place. But I think this is the first time it had occurred to them that they had been removed from their own time. The kid who is aboard Pollyanna sniffles and just starts to wail. Kid who's attached to Cobb gets real mad. Kind of starts giving him little kid punches. That's what I was afraid of. But at the very least, we know that Lily here is from the same place that we are. Mm-hmm. Lily, do you think that... Do you think the knife is here or are you just hoping and she rummages in her bag and what she produces looks like a sheet of beaten gold about the size of like an xbox controller um and it um i question your world building well that's what big it is are there xboxes no i'm not explaining to your characters I'm explaining to you guys, and you guys live in a world that you know where an Xbox controller is. It's got um, hooks on the side of it, where probably at some point a rope or a chain was attached, and it is set with semi-precious stones, shining carnelian. So this is why there isn't a right hand. Oh? Yeah. Lily looks at you blankly. I, I don't understand. We, we, we met the demon's left hand a couple of minutes ago. And they said there wasn't a right one. Yeah, so we can, we can hurt them with this. And, um, Lily kind of returns to the pile. Do the thing that she does best. Because if you're reading along in the heroic court manual, she's a treasure hunter extraordinaire. She does resume looking. So... Wait, you think when they say there isn't a right, you think that the right was dispatched somehow? I think the right hand was cut off. The story is about the demon being defeated. And the story was for bringing us here. But you can't tell a good lie without some element of the truth. Hmm. <laughs> And Lily nods, and she resumes looking through the piles of stone. Do we need something else? Knife. I take it not one of the knives that any of us are carrying. If if this got the right hand, does that mean that there's different things for each, each one? Lily shrugs. She has no idea. Red, I really, I don't know how long the metaphor goes. I have to admit. Hmm. Well, if she says that there's a knife, at the very least, we should probably, I guess, more than anything else right now, go along with it. Because, I mean, sounds as good a good idea as any I would have. We need to move fast still. We're still on a deadline. Okay, so what does everybody do? What are the spell pieces here? I, I think we've gone over this, but I have forgotten. I did not write them down. I did. Oh. Warm, irresistible, stars, anchor, be calmed, and wave. 
sorry, warm, irresistible, calm. Stars, anchor, wave. Anchor and wave. Cobb kind of like stiffens up. Well, I think, unfortunately, we are going to have to look for this thing then. It's our best bet for the moment. However, I think I might be able to help out a little bit. And Cobb is going to use Anchor Crew to let everybody sort of come back to the same place, even if things shift around. Ooh, I like that. Oh, I like that. That's a good one. And in order to sort of set this, Cobb is going to take the captain's sword and sort of like, still in the scabbard, sort of like set it in the rocks. The crew always comes back to the captain. Okay. Here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say that in order to somehow defy or interact with Svet, the demon is going to need to expend scatter equal to or more than what you cast with. With that in mind, how much should this cost? Um, Cobb wants this to be pretty beefy, so he's going to dump five into it. Okay. You know what? Describe this one to us. Tell everyone what anchoring the crew is like. So a- as he sort of juts the the sword still in its scabbard into uh, the rocks and it unusually sort of sits there and everybody feels almost as if they were back out at sea with a, a gentle, almost a gentle breeze and maybe uh, maybe just the sounds, you know, on the, the corners of their of their periphery of sea life, seabirds, maybe the gentle roll of the waves. And everybody feels like if they, you know, even if they didn't really want to, they would just find their way back here. Regardless of what went wrong. Okay. Just is kind of touched. She kind of mutters under her breath. It kind of feels like home. Mm. An old sailor's always home on the waves. Now, we need to find that knife. And how are the how are the kids doing? You said that some of them got pretty anxious when they heard. They've all kind of fallen quiet. The one that was wailing on top of Pollyanna is still crying. Hmm. Several of them are kind of looking away. They've kind of gravitated toward each other now. Hmm. Uh, I'm gonna cast encouraging stars. Oh, that's lovely. The kids see, you know, they, they get a message that kind of helps calm calm their hearts. Um, maybe they see a loved one or whatever um, and a time of happiness. Okay. The kids, like, the ones that were crying kind of pick themselves up. They're still sticking close to each other. But you can see, especially on the faces of the older kids, that they're they're ready for this. You guys are are brave and and strong and um you know thank you for being being part of our crew. And the big kids nod. The smaller kids are still kind of processing what's happening. Mm-hmm. I want numbers. How many scatter did that cost? Or did it cost no scatter cuz it was it was really nice? I'm only going to charge a scatter for that. Hmm. Cuz yeah, that was that was not something you did for combat advantage. That was, <laughs> it was nice. The poor little thing, you know. What kind of understanding role would I need in order to guess how long it's been and how much time we have left? Focus, I reckon. Oh yeah, I got six dice for that. Awesome. That's um, three successes and one edge. It feels like. Two hours has passed. So is that probably about like half of our window, two thirds of our window? Um, hard to tell. Yeah. We didn't firmly establish what the window was. It's true. Well, we, we are, we are assuming we have until the sun comes up, which two hours is going to cut into a lot of that. So we, we, we got to move fast. Um, We really don't have much time. So we all spread out, look, come back, and we make do with what we get. Okay. 
And what you will get is... Memory time. Oh, no. The memories, they have reached us. <laughs> They've caught up to you, finally. They'll haunt you forever. <laughs> they will. Okay. I enjoyed Tiss's awkward off. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty good. Tiss's multiple awkward offs, because she had to. I mean, one awkward off was because, like, the, uh, the previous demon was really, really chatty, and it seemed better to let them do the talking if we're going to get in the character and if from a metagame I wasn't allowed I wasn't able to negotiate with the demon so well yeah instead you just kind of stared at each other for a <laughs> while and that was <laughs> I think all in all that went pretty well I think that the party did better at interacting with a noble demon this time <laughs> I think it's because uh, Penelope decided to keep her mouth shut <laughs> Cobb will remember this. <laughs> so, um, Kirsten, what do you remember? Um, I, yeah, I like the, I like when, when Tissa first encounters the demon. And, um, I also like her like, oh, yes, I understand now. This is not, not as bad, not as bad as, as we thought. At least I don't think it is. And we're just like, uh, um, Okay. <laughs> It was good. Kathleen. I really liked Anchor Crew. I did too. That was a nice spell. That was a really good spell. Okay, so Kathleen, who are you giving your memory point to? I think Anchor Crew is worth a memory point. Okay, yeah, great. Yay, thank you. All right. So next week, we're going to resume our hunt for the knife in the hopes that it will help us dispatch um, the creature that has created this space. Thank you so much for listening to us, listener. Yeah. Thank you so much for playing with me, players. Thank you, guys. Yeah. It was and next week we will get Neef out. Nick. See you next week, everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, on Twitter at PeachGuttonRPGs, and also you can email us on the website. But, yeah. Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Uh, Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>